Before we jump into today's episode of Survivor Sanctuary, I want to let you know that you can become a supporter of this podcast and help offset some of the costs of bringing this podcast to you each week. You can visit anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary, click on donate, and you can give an amount starting at 99 cents a month and going up to $9.99 a month. If you love the podcast and you want to keep new episodes coming to you, then visit anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary and become a monthly donor today. More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I want to thank you for joining me today for the next little while so we can chat about surviving sexual abuse, especially within the church. Well, today's topic was brought on by some buzz here lately surrounding some of the books that we grew up with in evangelical Christianity, Uh, books like I Kiss Dating Goodbye, Love and Respect, and Passion and Purity. There are so many, like you can go on and on, every man's battle, every woman's battle. Like there are so many books that were just deeply ingrained in us from the time we were young people. And we got a lot of our ideas about dating and marriage and relationships and child rearing and all this stuff from these books that were considered like essential if you were a Christian. Well, now there are some books coming out kind of pulling back the veil on how some of what we were taught was actually very, very damaging to people. Um, The one I'm thinking of in particular is the book, The Great Sex Rescue, which just came out, goodness, I think it was like last week. It's the lies you've been taught and how to recover what God intended. And basically this book is based on an in-depth survey of 22,000 Christian women who talk about the messages that they grew up with in evangelical Christianity, messages about themselves and about sex and that have made um, intimacy really, really difficult. And I think of another book that I read called Pure Inside the Evangelical Movement that Shamed a Generation of Young Women. That's by Linda K. Klein. I'll link to these books just in case you're interested in checking them out. Um, They're not about sexual abuse, although the book Pure does deal some with that. But these books are basically combating some of what we grew up just thinking of as gospel. Like these books were gospel. If you were a Christian, these books were everything and you definitely needed to adhere to all of the advice within them if you wanted to be a good Christian. So because in the last several years, these books and some of the teachings we grew up with have just been brought to the forefront, people are dissecting them, you know, and finding like the damage that has been done. We're kind of chipping away at that. But in evangelical Christianity, we definitely had our own like authors and our own books. And it was always kind of an us versus them type of a thing. And I realized that for me as a survivor of sexual abuse, you know, these books may have hit differently or some of the teachings 
teachings that we grew up with may have hit differently than they did for some other people. For instance, when you're constantly hearing the purity message and purity, 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 and you know, you've been sexually abused and many times we blame ourselves. It's kind of like you feel a certain way. You can feel uh, dirty. You can feel tainted. You can feel unworthy. And a lot of those teachings kind of hammered into us messages that were really, really just damaging. Seriously, my parents were given a book when I was a small child called, I think it was like The Devil in the Toy Box or Demons in the Toy Box, something crazy like that. And I remember reading this book and they basically found a reason why every single toy that's literally ever been invented was demonic in some way. I remember like the Smurfs because their faces were blue and their lips were drawn in in black. (laughs) That made them like some kind of evil spirit. And so we couldn't watch the Smurfs and there were even teddy bears like they literally had like a chapter on how teddy bears even are tainted and these are the books that we were like passing around to each other you know my parents got it from missionaries on the field and they probably passed it on to somebody else I mean thank goodness my parents kind of rolled their their eyes at some of the stuff that they read and didn't really take all of it to heart but there were some teachings in evangelical Christianity especially the fundamental Baptist churches that I grew up in there were teachings that were super, super damaging that still affect me as a survivor of sexual abuse. Like I still have to unravel some of the things that I've been taught. So I saw something interesting as I was preparing for this episode of Survivor Sanctuary. Someone actually asked a question in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group, and I thought it was super interesting just because I've had this topic on my mind. The question was asked, like, if everyone in the group primarily read and listened to material written by those with a Christian worldview, or if we were comfortable listening to, quote, secular, unquote, experts in their own fields. And this person went on to say that they were raised, just like me, in the fundamental Baptist tradition, and she was taught, like I was, that anyone who did not line up doctrinally with us was dangerous. And I think that for me, that teaching right there, more than any book that I read or message that I listened to, I think that that teaching that nobody from the outside has anything to offer um, and that we definitely don't want to trust anyone who has written a book about anything if they don't share our Christian worldview, that teaching I think did more damage to me than anything else or has made surviving sexual abuse more difficult than anything else. And and here's why. We talk a lot on this podcast about how churches so often fail to minister effectively to victims of abuse. They just fail victims of abuse in many, many situations, and they're not responding in love, or they're shaming people for having things they need to survive from, shaming people for the effects of sexual abuse in their lives, and just not ministering, not offering hope, just giving kind of pat answers. And so I think that one of the reasons it's so damaging to tell people that they can't go outside of the church for any kind of help with anything is that churches are failing to minister effectively to victims of abuse within their walls, but they're also demonizing the people outside of the walls who actually can minister effectively to victims of sexual abuse. So you're not allowed to go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a 
therapist if they cannot prove that they're a Christian, right? That was just the teaching. Like you cannot go see, I mean, I don't even think it was unless they're a Christian. For the most part, growing up in the fundamental Baptist churches, it was basically like if someone is a psychologist, they're not a Christian and that is witchcraft or whatever. And okay, I might be going a little far with that, but seriously, that's basically how it was taught to us that psychology and psychiatry and any study of the brain that wasn't rooted directly in scripture was somehow evil. This was not only damaging to me, but I've seen it in the lives of so many people that I love, people who have suffered like severe and extreme trauma throughout their lives and who came to Christ and became Christians and were essentially taught by the church, well, now that you're a Christian, you know, the Lord takes care of everything and all that stuff is gone and it's out of your life and you don't need to worry about it because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And spiritually, yes, I believe that these people who came to the Lord were new creations in Christ Jesus. But what I also believe is that childhood trauma that actually physically affects people deeply is not something that is immediately eradicated when you decide to become a Christian, when you decide to follow Christ. And I really wish that it were, because that would make everything so much easier for survivors. It really would. Like, that would be it. Okay, well, I had all this childhood trauma, but then I asked Jesus into my heart in Sunday school, and so now there is no trauma left. And that's just not the way that it works. But these people in my life, who I'm not going to, like, call out by name because I don't have their permission to do that. But it breaks my heart that their issues were never dealt with because they were taught in Bible college and in ministry school that psychology is evil and psychiatrists aren't to be trusted. And all of this is rooted in evil things and philosophy and ancient philosophers like Socrates are terrible people and they don't worship God. And so all their advice stinks. I mean, that's basically it. Like if you're not a Christian, your advice stinks. If you do a Google search, like legit, just go to Google and do a search like why do Christians hate psychology? And blogs will pop up and websites that are literally dedicated by Christian people to sharing why psychology is bad and we shouldn't accept it in our society even, but especially in the church. And people are shaming. I'll read you a direct quote. The root of psychology, this is from a website. I'm not even going to share it because I don't want anyone to read this stuff because it can probably be re-triggering and traumatizing. But uh, he says, the root of psychology is bad. Therefore, the fruit cannot be good. I'm amazed at the acceptance of psychology in our society and especially in the church. Many churches and ministries have resident psychiatrists on staff. This isn't the approach Jesus took. No, Jesus didn't have resident psychiatrists on staff. You're right about that. Uh, He met the needs, all the needs of the people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe he intends his church to do the same. They don't have to depart and go to the world to get their emotional needs met. They should bring them to Jesus. And this is, okay, end of that quote. This is the traditional like oversimplification of psychological issues and childhood trauma. Like people just saying, you don't need to go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a therapist to get all this fixed. You just need to bring it to the feet of Jesus. And one example of how this teaching really, really harmed me in my life was into adulthood. And I'm talking into my 30s. I was constantly tormenting myself when I would have these severe bouts with anxiety. 
I would torment myself thinking that I just wasn't trusting God enough. I just wasn't reading my Bible enough. I just wasn't praying enough. And I just remember like trying so hard to do the thing that uh, people apparently thought that I needed to do so that God would be pleased with me and the anxiety would go away. And I tormented myself with that. And I mean, I could say that other people tormented me with it, but it was what I was taught growing up. Like you just need the Bible. And if you have the Bible, you need nothing else. And it tells you every single thing that you need, you know, to get through your daily living. And I'm not like, I'm not here to argue like, oh, you know, the Bible is the inspired word of God or not. I'm not here to, to talk talk about whether the Bible is literal or not. But I will say this, the Bible is not a step-by-step instruction manual for every single thing that we do in life. Like God has made us intelligent beings. Like we, we are created in his image and we are capable of figuring things out. Like he doesn't tell us in Psalms how to build a car, you know, that's, it's not in there. And he doesn't tell people, you know, God's not telling us in the Bible that, well, you should definitely brush your teeth and, you know, floss, or you're going to get tooth decay and wind up at the dentist. You know, there are some things that we're just, you know, we got to use the wisdom that God has given us to learn how to make our way through situations that are not spelled out clearly in scripture. And I feel like we can accept this for so many things. And by we, I mean like fundamental Baptists. (laughs) We can accept this for so many different things. We can accept that if you get in a bad car accident and you're bleeding profusely and you have broken bones and you're having trouble breathing, we have no issue with you being taken to the emergency room. You know, nobody's standing over you saying, well, you know, Kelly, you have Jesus and you shouldn't go to the world to get your needs met. So I think we just need to sit here and pray and, you know, trust God to take care of this. Like nobody's going to say that if they see somebody who's in a car accident hurt, the first thing you do is call 911 and get an ambulance there to take them to the emergency room. And you don't stop to ask the ambulance driver if he's a Christian, because that would be completely ridiculous. But we do that whenever it comes to anything relating to the brain anything relating to the brain. We immediately go into that mode. That's where we were taught to go our whole lives growing up. Again, if you grew up in the fundamental Baptist or any kind of fundamentalist church and you were part of evangelical Christian culture, I think that you probably feel me on this. If you told somebody, oh man, I just found out that my kidneys are in trouble, like didn't have good numbers on my last blood test and apparently I could be going into kidney failure. Man, I had to go see an endocrinologist and you know, nobody's going to interrupt this person and say, um, is your endocrinologist a Christian? Literally no one. Same thing. You have, you have heart issues. Like, man, I had a heart attack, had to go see my cardiologist. Is your cardiologist a Christian? No one is asking that question, but in it's still to this day, like I'm not even talking like people like directly in and fundamental Baptist church, but just people who kind of grew up in that culture, but even miles away from it are still asking the standard question. Yeah. You know, I go to a therapist. Is she a Christian? Is he a Christian? Like the first question you are asked so often is that, is your therapist a Christian? Is your psychologist a Christian? Is your psychiatrist a Christian? We're not asking this question for any other field of medicine, like none. We're not asking it. Like if someone had a stroke, you would not tell them you don't need a neurologist, you need Jesus. But we have no problem telling a person who has been traumatized by sexual abuse or sexual assault or some other kind of childhood trauma. We have no problem telling them you don't need therapy, you need Jesus. So why is it that people in 
quote, the world are allowed to heal everything else that's wrong with us through their medicine that has been studied and that they've gone to school for. Why do we entrust every single part of our body to people like that? And we won't entrust this one organ of ours to a professional who specializes in that organ. Instead, what we get is a lot of fear-mongering. It literally is fear-mongering. You think of like the old clergyman who used to accuse every woman of witchcraft, like if she could do anything (laughs) or had any opinion he didn't like, you're a witch, you're a witch. And they would literally kill people, burn them at the stake and accuse them of witchcraft because some pastor was telling them that this person was practicing witchcraft. That's what I think of, that kind of fear-mongering when it comes to what we've been taught within the church about Christianity and psychology. It's especially difficult for victims of sexual abuse because, again, the church is failing to help victims of sexual abuse. Many times they're re-traumatizing them. So the church is failing to help them and effectively minister to them And they're also telling them, you can't go to these people who actually could help you. So we're not going to help you, but definitely don't go to a psychiatrist because that's not of God. You know, you just need to give your problems to Jesus. This complex PTSD, whatever it is you're suffering from, your anxiety disorder, your deep depression, like whatever it is, don't take that to a psychologist, take it to Jesus. And I'm not knocking the fact that yes, there is healing that comes from the Lord. I believe that, that that there are areas of your life that he will heal. And I've heard from some people who have suffered from trauma and have said, certain things don't bother me anymore. You know, I, I gave this over to the Lord and I feel so much better. And that's great. But the reality for so many people is we have like mental health conditions that are not as simple as you just need to give this over to Jesus. Because I promise you, if I could have just given it over to Jesus, I would have done it so many years ago and saved myself this massive hassle. It's almost as though you, you don't want Jesus to help you with your problem. You know, you have anxiety, and, and I've heard this literally in my own home with all of us suffering from anxiety, but just that kind of scolding, like you have anxiety because you don't trust the Lord. That's the root of your anxiety. If you trusted him with the future, you wouldn't have anxiety. And I'm sitting here like, I don't even think about the future. Like I have anxiety for literally no reason. I feel like I am terrorized and in this deep, like traumatic fear, I feel like, you know, the world is ending and literally nothing is happening. And it wasn't possible for me to just give it to Jesus because I didn't even know what it was. It wasn't until I really started seeing a therapist and started talking to some people and reading books uh, that had to do with this topic of how the brain works and how trauma affects the brain. Like it wasn't until then that I started to get answers. And it actually just it's like heartbreaking when you look at how the church is kind of shoving that down people's throats. And maybe not as much in this day and age as when I was growing up in the Fundamental Baptist Church back in the 80s. But I will say that even if it's not quite as bad, I think it's still bad in a lot of churches. We're having people being discouraged from going and getting help for things that are wrong with them and saying, you know what, you just need to come to the altar and pray. And if you really just, you know, if you'll just let God handle it, he'll handle it. And it's something that honestly, someone probably needs to be medicated for because it's a serious psychological issue. And it's actually a physical issue as well. And that's something that gets overlooked, I think, when we're talking about anything relating to our brains. If it's not something that like that a neurologist handles, that it can only be handled 
by God, period. Like there's no arguing. Um, unfortunately, there are actually physical things wrong in our brains. Often like you have a chemical imbalance that causes your anxiety to be high or causes you to have terrible depression. Like some people have bipolar disorder. Some people have borderline personality disorder, uh, complex PTSD. Like there are so many things that you can suffer from, especially as a survivor of abuse. And so to tell people that they just need to give it to Jesus and that's all they need to do, it's harmful. And I've actually lived this out. I've seen the way that it's harmed my family. I've seen the way that these messages have prevented people that I really care about from going and getting help for the things that were deeply, deeply wrong with them and things that they definitely needed a psychiatrist to help out with or a therapist to help out with or definitely some medication as well at times. But instead, they were told and it was shoved down their throats and that fear mongering was that you don't need therapy, you need Jesus and you are to not trust psychology. It's us versus them. And if anybody's on the outside, you don't trust them. And I find it so interesting that we will read books and not give a crap who they were written by and and whatever their affiliation to Christianity is, not care at all for any other subject under the sun. But when it comes to anything related to our brains, which by the way, that is an organ of our body, just like all the other organs. And God has created it to operate in certain ways. And it malfunctions like all the other organs in our body. It malfunctions as well. But we have not accepted that in so many areas of Christianity and especially fundamentalism. Psychology is evil. Psychologists are bad. Therapy is for people who don't trust Jesus. And you need to just pray harder and trust God more. That's it. End of discussion. I think that it's a conversation ender as well. I know some people are not comfortable talking about, you know, abuse or mental health issues. It's just something that's really tough for some people to talk about. And so they need the conversation to end. And I think that, yes, this is another conversation ender. And I've talked about those in previous podcasts where as Christians, we have these conversation enders, like stop talking about abuse. And so I do think that that's part of this, but I think that that it's bigger than that, that we literally have taught generations of people to not trust people who are experts in the field of psychology, people who are experts on the dynamics of relationships, people who are experts on trauma recovery. Like we're not supposed to trust them because they don't go to the same church that we go to. And even if they say they're Christians, can a psychologist really be a Christian? So we're not going to trust them. If you didn't grow up in a fundamental Baptist church like I did, or you didn't grow up in another like super rigid uh, denomination, then you might be thinking, okay, Kelly, seriously, nobody's that extreme. But I am telling you right now, people are that extreme. I still have to talk to people, like talk them down from ledges, people that, and I I don't want to say their names because I don't want to be like disrespectful to people in my family, but I will still have to talk people down from ledges who seriously need therapy and are just like, oh, but you know, I'm just not trusting God enough. And no, it's not that you're not trusting God enough. It's that you have years of complex trauma that you've never unraveled because these jerks who taught you in Bible college told you it was evil. And it infuriates me and breaks my heart at the same time. We are deeply harming survivors. We're preventing people from getting the help that they need so that they can recover and they can 
just trust God and they can worry about other things like their relationship with the Lord. We are harming people. You know, we live in a fallen world. And I think that, you know, most of us accept we live in a fallen world so we can accept that our bodies break. We will trust, you know, doctors and dentists and pharmacists, but we won't trust psychologists. It's just like, it's so crazy to me. It's absolutely crazy. But here's something that I want to say about reading books by authors who may not be Christians or taking the advice of a therapist who may not be a Christian or even doing some like trauma recovery exercises that you may think, oh no, are they rooted in some kind of woo-woo type of situation that I'm going to be like flirting with darkness and bringing demonic things into my home by doing them. What I have to say about that is I don't know when I got over this, but at some point I just got over this because I started to make the connection uh, when I started reading books about surviving sexual abuse and recovering from trauma and even books about attachment theory. Just like there are experts in the field of cardiology, just like there are experts in the field of dentistry, you know, just like there are experts that we will have no problem being like, oh, wow, this person has gone to so much school and they've studied this bodily organ for so many years and they're just a genius in their field and they know everything. Okay, so if I need to read a book about kidney failure, I will trust this doctor who has done all this studying. I personally don't believe that because it involves the organ that is your brain, that that makes it any different. Now, obviously, when I read a book that's not from a Christian worldview, I think sometimes it's actually helpful uh, to get things from a different perspective. And I, I think that I think that sometimes we read too much into what people are going to do. Like I literally thought if I read a book by someone who wasn't a Christian, they were going to be telling me to, to hate God and like to turn away from everything I've believed in and blah, 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 blah. And that's really not what's happening. I mean, somebody might just be writing a book about the trauma surrounding childhood sexual abuse. Somebody might just be writing a book about healing, maybe self-care, you know, things that are not going to be calling your Christianity into question or forcing you to make some big choice. I remember as a kid, I'll relate it back to this. Um, I was never allowed to go to movies when I was really young. And this was the funny thing. My dad loved movies and he would sneak off when he was like in Bible college and he would sneak off when he was a pastor and a missionary and he would go see movies because he absolutely loved going to see movies. But we were never allowed to go. We didn't know he was sneaking, by the way. My mom told us later. But he would sneak off and watch movies because he absolutely loved it. But all of his mentors and the people who had taught him how to be a Christian from the age of 21, all of those people were hammering it into his head that movie theaters are evil and movies are evil and Hollywood's evil and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, he couldn't quite give up his affinity for films. He just liked to go watch them and eat popcorn and probably eat Snickers. Like that was his thing. Uh, but us kids were never allowed. It was like, no, we're, we're Christians and you're not going to see a movie. And finally he gave it up. I think that I was probably like 10, 11 years old when he was finally just like, yeah, whatever. You know, he let my uncle take us to see the Rocketeer. And that was my first experience in a movie theater. And I will tell you this, like, I'm pretty sure my dad had some sort of pep talk with us beforehand. I legit thought, and I'm not exaggerating. I literally thought that people were going to be like having sex in the theater chairs and like doing drugs in the theater. I thought that people might be drunk 
and disorderly. People might be using filthy language. And I thought I was going into a den of iniquity because of how much it had been hammered into my head that Christians don't go to the movies. And so when I went to see The Rocketeer, I'm pretty sure a PG rated film with my uncle, I sat in a chair and people might have laughed occasionally, but no one was making any noise. Nobody was having sex. Nobody was drunk or disorderly or doing drugs like lines of coke off of the seat in front of them. Like it wasn't happening. And I remember thinking like, what is the big deal about this? Like I thought that this was going to be some horrible situation and come to find out this is super fun. You get to watch a movie on a huge screen and sit in a comfy chair in the dark and eat tons of delicious popcorn and candy. And I was hooked. And I still to this day love going to the movies. But the point is, it's the same type of fear mongering. We're told all of these things or we were, you know, growing up in this fundamentalist environment where we're super legalistic and everything is a sin. And here's why, you know, we're taught all of these things. And I think that a lot of it needs to be called into question. I think that our fear of an expert on the brain, you know, writing a book, our fear of reading that book because it might help us is not a good thing. It's it's unhealthy. I think that God has given human beings wisdom. And when you study and when you learn, even if you don't acknowledge your creator, that doesn't take away from the fact that you're using the wisdom that he gave you to become a great psychologist or psychiatrist or therapist or cardiologist, whatever it might be. There are a couple of books that have really opened my eyes to some of the issues that have plagued me since I was sexually abused as a child. Some of them were written by Christian authors who were psychologists, by the way, who fundamental Christianity probably frowns upon because you can't be a psychologist and be a Christian at the same time. But some of those books were written by Christians like Dan Allender. I have learned so much from his books and he's a psychologist and a Christian. And those books were really good for me. But there are also other books that I've read that are literally about things like attachment theory and how, you know, when a baby grows up, the level of attachment they have with their parents relates back to the level of attachment they can have in relationships. And it causes like these insecure attachment styles. It's so technical. And nobody's saying like, you should worship Satan and not believe in God anymore. Like they're literally just describing human behavior that has been studied for years and years and years. And we've been taught to fear that. And so I think that's something that a really good therapist of mine, some advice that she gave me, and yes, she was a believer. And she had clients that were believers and clients that were not. And by the way, a psychiatrist or a psychologist, first of all, a psychiatrist doesn't want to hear your issues. They just want to prescribe medicine. So don't try to talk to them. But a psychologist or a therapist, like they are not there to change your mind about your core beliefs about God. Like that's not what, a, what therapy is for. So let's breathe a collective sigh of relief. But my therapist who was, yes, an evangelical Christian and we would pray together sometimes even in a session, but she was also really good at her job and had studied and gotten a PhD and all that good stuff so that she would know what she was talking about when she tried to help me through a situation. And her advice to me was um, one day she was giving me an exercise to do. And I think it was like a breathing exercise or meditation exercise. And she's like, listen, this breathing exercise or this book or this like pamphlet I'm going to give you 
there's some really valuable stuff in there that's going to help you. But the author may say a couple things here and there that, you know, as Christians, we fundamentally just don't believe. Um, throw those out. You you know not to accept them. You're a believer and you're not going to agree with them. However, this breathing technique that he recommends is a really, really good one. And it'll get you right out of fight or flight mode. Um, just because someone doesn't share every belief that you have does not mean you cannot receive valuable information from them. Just like because the ER doctor who is putting you back together after a severe car accident may not go to church and may not believe in God. In fact, he may be an atheist. Like he's still able to fix your body or keep you from dying because that is his area of expertise. So the next time somebody asks you if your therapist is a Christian, feel free to respond with, is your cardiologist a Christian? I don't know. Is your butcher a Christian? (laughs) It is ridiculous. And I think that there is a world of help out there for people. And I'm not talking about just blindly believing every single thing that you read. Like God's given you wisdom. He's given you discernment. And we need to use it, of course. But when it comes to healing from trauma, um, there are a lot of experts out there who may not be believers. They may be, and they just don't walk around like trumpeting it everywhere for everybody to uh, hear. But their advice on how to heal might change your life. So I think it's important to not just immediately discredit someone who's an, an expert in their field because they may not believe the same way that you believe. Well, that is what I've got for you today, and I hope that you'll share your thoughts on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page because I would love to hear. I'm sure you all have your own um, memories of things you were taught growing up that were kind of harmful, and maybe you were shamed for wanting to seek help, but I'd love to hear. We can continue this conversation. If you're not a member of the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group, go ahead and join us. It is facebook.com, of course. Search Survivor Sanctuary Podcast. Request to join and I'll ask you to answer a quick question and then boom, you'll be in the group and you can join the conversation. I'll catch you back here next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.